We are in Champions League, man. That was my Dilly din, dilly dong, come on. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast with Gary Kearney. Hello, welcome to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. My name is Gary Kernin. Joining us for this episode is Drew Broughton, former professional player and now high-performance coach, mentors, athletes, coaches, supporting footballers and founders to manage fear and fulfill potential. Really unique topic, so excited to hear what you think of this. At Gary Kernin on Instagram, at Gary Kernin on Twitter, One quick announcement, we have an upcoming free coach education event for October. I will be presenting a webinar on video analysis and player feedback. Wednesday, October 14th, 6pm Eastern Time, 11pm UK Time. Free for coaches, but limited spaces available. To reserve your space, please go to modernsoccercoach.com and click on latest and there will be a registration link there. So... Please join me for that. Looking forward to put it together. Here is Drew. Enjoy. Drew, I've been working on getting you on for a long time because I've followed your work and you've got an unbelievable message. So thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Gary. Yeah, likewise. I only started social media two years ago. So all of a sudden you start interacting with all these people and you were one of the early ones. And and I've followed your stuff as well. And um, I know at times we've had We've had some comings together with it's difficult when you're communica- communicating online, but I love that. Isn't that the point? If everyone can be humble and leave the ego at the door to be challenged all the time. I, I love getting challenged. I try and surround myself by people who who try and challenge me. So, um, yeah, social media can be a difficult place to be at times. Yeah, I mean, on that top and that's kind of how I'm going to kick things off, because you I'm drawn to your message because you're coming at it from a completely different angle. And it's very, very raw in mm. terms of what your, your experiences um, and obviously your background, listening to your podcast as well and going through your book. I mean, it's let's just start, I suppose, with as coaches, we see this. Maybe we don't see the player in as enough depth. Let's just talk from your viewpoint about uh, the fear and the anxiety and all these things that players are going through right now. Um, mm. Let's let's kick it off by kind of throwing that on the table and let's let's like uh, openly discuss wh- what you feel that players are really struggling with at the top end of the game. Well, I think at all levels go. I think it's such a broad spectrum, and and, and I want to get onto the Michael Jordan thing at some point because I know you did a brilliant post around that. I've followed that series inside out. Um, I saw a good p- a piece with a really good friend of mine, Craig Bellamy, this morning that came out on Sky, and I'm trying to get him on my podcast. And we grew up at Norwich City together, and we, we're still friends. And we we were a strike partner from the age of eight to twenty. So, and I and I know, I think I know in my heart why at eighteen he went for six million pounds, and I stalled and started going this way, and then did this for the next fifteen years because. Fear, fear dominates, doesn't it? I, I, I coach now in the business world as well, and I always say that every decision anybody makes is either fear or trust. Every decision, and if you start to really dig into that, whether it's with your kids or your your wife or fear and football, there is no industry like it. I find working in business quite easy, and I say that humbly, compared to dealing with the issues when you're dealing with players. I think there's a couple of things. I think the insecurity of the game, um, uh, longevity in the game for a coach, longevity in the game for a player, uh, whether a young player trying to establish himself as senior player. I think fear dominates, and so what, what, once you know that, then different people have different fear. I, I found looking at myself now, I'm a highly competitive individual, and when I've talked a lot about working hard and. People, people think it's a flippant thing. Oh, everybody works hard. It used to drive me crazy. I remember being losing 3-0 at home to Bournemouth one week and we were in the change room 
on a Tuesday night and the big debate was happening and the coaches were, were going a bit crazy at the fact that we capitulated second half and this kind of stuff. And I remember sitting there and I was pretty punch drunk by then. I was about 29, 30. So I'd been a pro for 13, 14 years. And like that old boxer who'd taken a few hits, you know, I was, uh, and I, I didn't play particularly great, but like I say, I was, I was, I was running on empty by that point emotionally. And, but one thing I did know is that our work rate had been nowhere near it that night and hadn't been nowhere near it for weeks in training. So it, it got to that point where the, any, anyone wants to say anything from the, from the coaches. And I remember sitting there and thinking, just don't say anything, just go home, been here a million times, towel on your head, just get out, get in the shower. I'll be on the sofa within an hour, done. And it was then the manager said, the thing that hurts me all is I look around here and, it, and there's a lot of cowards. And that was the bit that went through me like a knife. And I, I, took, I said, hang on a minute here. I said, you, you need to look at yourself. And I said, all your staff need to look at themselves. I said, because yesterday in training, these three players here, and I named them, they were young guys, two had been on loan from Premier League clubs. I said, these two had their boots undone. I said, might be a fashion, might not be. I said, this guy was nowhere near the level. And they were in my team and we got absolutely hammered in every small-sided game. I said, that hurt me. And typically afterwards, everyone's laughing, Drew's angry, and I walk off and kick the water bottles and walk in. Oh, Drew's got issues. Um, I said, and here we, here, 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 here is the evidence tonight. And you've played these guys. You, you have backed them ahead of players who work hard every day. So you need to look at yourselves in the mirror because you've, you've made, you've created that culture and created that it's acceptable to train like that. It's acceptable to half get to the cone. It's acceptable to go through the motions. And there was silence. <laughs> and I, I got up and walked into the showers and. I think I was out on loan within a month. I ran home and said to my wife, I don't think that's, we're at it again. And so, but I get fear, fear. So fear for me dominates um, because on that night, there was players playing within themselves. Uh, I was speaking to a friend last year, last season, the Premier League player, he's 28, he's an international for his country. And he was saying, honestly, he, he, he thinks that players, the majority, only six, he, he thinks the majority of players playing week in, week out in the Premier League are only pay, playing at 60% max of their potential. And I have to be honest, I, I, I agree. And he was sharing his thought process in the game. And he said, my first thought is, don't give the ball away. Don't make a mistake. Don't give the ball away. Um, his manager's one of the more animated ones, if you like. And being a wide player, he can be right close to the touchline and, there's certain things that, that that get his goat, if you like, and I think giving the ball away. And so he, he, everything's in, don't give the ball away, don't make a mistake, stay in the game, stay in the game. And all of a sudden, 40 minutes has gone by and you're staying in the game. You, know, you, you didn't come into the game to stay in the game. You came into the game to play the game. Yeah. Um, and we were working and he said, look, can you do some stuff with me? I said, you don't need me, man. We've made, you're 28. Like you've, you're earning a lot of money. You don't need, he said, I do. Like, there's this part in me. I want to go to that next level. So I remember... The first couple of conversations we were having, I was like, look, you have to have the courage today. You have to have the courage to, you know what it takes, you're 28. If I said to you, there was no managers, no crowd, nothing, and the ball comes to you, what are you doing? It's, well, I'm receiving it and I'm going, I'm going at people. I said, that's what you've got to do. And you have to expect the shout when you give the ball away. I said, no, I'm not patronizing, you're not 17, you're 28. But... It, we started to do this stuff and we'd have that little call just before he went into the changing room and are you ready? Yeah, we just had a team meeting. It was all about he wants the wide guys tucking in and keep possession. And I said, cool. And what did you do at 14? He said, I just gambled. I said, get back to the gambler. So, you know, it, it, we, we, we're just having these kind of chats. Um, fear, fear. And, and I don't judge, I don't judge the manager. Honestly, I've worked with two football league managers uh, kind of being their eyes and ears and, and offering up some some thoughts on stuff. And I've sat in their offices and it was absolutely eye-opening because I've only ever been in the office as a player. Mm. So actually now I'm on the other side of the fence and I'm sitting in there and everything that I went through, and I know all my teammates did because they would share it back in the changing room, I was seeing repeat itself mm. 20 years on. And the little dishonesties to a player, 
no solutions for a player. Oh, I'm, I'm not going to play you on Saturday. It's a Thursday. I'm not going to play you on Saturday because I'm just going to go with something else. And I remember after that first meeting, I said, why don't you tell them, tell them the truth? He said, oh, you, you can't tell players the truth. You learn that. I said, who taught you that? He said, well, no, you kind of learn it about on the circuit. I was like, you need to stop the circuit. I said, look, you're stealing his instincts. You're stealing his gut feeling. I said, he'll go back to the locker room. He knows the truth. So if you were to say to him, I'm not playing you because honestly, the last two or three games, you haven't played well. You've not been the player I know you are. Then you could potentially offer up, is that my fault? Like, what, what am I doing? What am I staff not doing that is not enabling you to be that, that player that I know you are, the player that I signed you to be? Because you can't just lose that. Like, something's happening. Is it us? Let's have a conversation and, and let's get you back to that form. And, and, and it was, I remember sitting there and there was, obviously in the, in the manager's office, you've got the manager and a couple of desks with the assistants and, and the sports scientists and the analysts and all these heads came up from the laptops. It was like, what? Like, this is groundbreaking what I'm saying. And I just think, what a tragedy. Yeah. Like, such a simple thing. Sorry. I've... No, no. I mean, do you think that, because you mentioned there about the scientists and the analysts and the S&C and, and everyone, you, when you go into these places now, it's almost, mm. uh, it's almost sterile. The environment is almost sterile. So does the coach need to be, more personal is it is it bad coaching or is it the environment that's like added to the external both of them you think I, I think the coach has just got to have huge courage because for example I, it was, I went into Mansfield and, and you know and I remember the the um the first day I was there I watched training I went up to the manager's office after he's you know he's an old teammate a couple of years younger and and uh he's like oh, good to see you mate what did you think I said I don't miss I don't miss this this industry so all his staff have looked at me straight away because apparently you should be really grateful to be there. And I was like, look, man, I, I can just smell, I can feel the fear. I've, I've walked, parked my car and I walk in, it's fear everywhere. And they're looking at me like, is he crazy? I said, everything is fear. I said, and you know, and literally as I finished that, there was a knock on the door and it was a Friday. So sports scientist comes in, delivers the data on training. Mm -hmm. Then the physio comes in, delivers the data on uh, whatever data he was delivering. Then the analyst came in and delivered the data on the opposition and the data on our attacking play over the last three. So I, I'm, I've been there for two hours. So I'm just sitting in the corner. I was on the phone, like, because they were having a meeting. I've just come in and we were trying to figure out if there was a place for doing what I was doing. Um, and so I looked up at the manager and then the assistants come in and look, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I, I'm, I'm not happy with the shape tomorrow. I, I don't think that's the way. Mm -hmm. So he, this poor guy is sitting there in his first year and the, he must just be drowning. Mm -hmm. And so he looked at me and he, he smiled because he, you know, like I say, he was an old teammate. He remembers I was the kind of person who I'd just say it as it is. And he said, Drew, have you got any, any thoughts? I said, how do, you, how do you even breathe? I said, look, it's 11 guys versus 11 guys. It will never change. It can't ever change. They're, every team is doing the same thing because we all know, because we've all played. They're, they're all up, up analysing the opposition. Everyone's analysing each other. I said, at some point, mate, it's just the difference is the, the team who's got the courage to go and get the ball, to go and get the ball and play and put the foot on it and give it away and get it again and, and, and to run and to really run not run because you're telling them to run, run because you're really enjoying being out there again as a footballer. But as we did as a kid, no one had to tell me to run as a kid. I wanted to run and chase that lost cause because you're enjoying being there. And um, it just becomes an instruction. You know? On that then, a great question here from, from Johnny McKinstry, um, mm. who's jumped on. The, regarding the interaction with the 28-year-old player, how do you balance the fear, trust, confidence element with the fucking say, keep possession, these tactical references? How do you get that right to, to the optimum level? Well, I think always as a coach, because I, I, my job now, I'm privately a coach. So I, I'm, I guess, like tennis and, tennis and golf are individual sports. So those guys hire and fire their coaches. And I'm brought in by footballers and their teams around them to be that guy who, who somehow unlocks that potential. 
So I watch their games on Scout, and we sit down and we look at it. And, and why have you done that there? Well, he told me to tuck in and he told... There was a player... I mean, this, this story best sums up that. There was a player last year playing in the Europa League. His manager was a high-profile ex-player. Had They were away and had said... He, he, worked in a sh- on the shape work leading up to the game that we want two banks of four and we want to sit in. But when we get the chance, we want to break. Right? Okay, fine. We've all, we've all been there. And, and then at half time, they'd just been pinned in. They hadn't got out of their box for, for 45 minutes. And at half time, he goes for the front three. You three haven't turned up. No one's got the ball. You haven't even, you've not turned up. You've got 10, 15 minutes on making changes. I didn't, the second half, the, the, the player I worked with did better. And we spoke after the game. I said, look, you're 19. You've got to learn quick. When he gives those instructions on Thursday, Friday, he has to do that as a coach. Maybe you should go and do your badges now because it will open your eyes to, to what they're going through. I said, he has to set the team up, right? I said, but inside that, you need to have the courage to go and say, uh-uh, I'm, this game's not happening the way I want it to be. I'm going inside and getting the ball and I'm going to grip this game and turn the game. I said, because you have every, every attribute to be a top player. You're at a top club, but you, you're not going to get there if you continue to listen to everybody. I said, you've got to grip the game how you want it to be. Um, I said many, many times, the instruction to me as a, as a centre forward, as a number nine, would be to the fullbacks before the game. We don't want you hitting balls into Drew. We want to play through the thirds. When we play into him, we're too direct. Now I'm I'm sitting there and thinking, yeah, that's nice, but the players in the field don't want the ball. So we, after ten minutes, that's what will be happening. Now I would listen to that too many times instead of taking control of that game and saying to the fullback, don't listen to them. Get get the ball to me. We, you know the midfield aren't confident enough on it. We've got to grab this game. And, and then you speak to top players, and I wasn't one. Top, that's how top players behave. They don't wait for instruction. They turn the game. And it's never talked about. And many times they'll defy that. But, but the manager will always say he played great today because it's not, he won't consciously be aware. It's a really fine line. It's not an obvious question. I think a, a solution. I think how the conversation goes for me, I'm just thinking, would be, look, I know I'm setting you up in there, but trust me, if your instinct screams at you in the game, this isn't happening, I can see an opportunity to go, go. And if you if you tell me I've seen it, I'm backing off. It's on you. Like, I've got to trust you. You, you. You're the one out. I have to trust you. And I think if I had that conversation with a player, it's so personal. He kind of goes, wow, the manager and the coach has just said to me, it's okay. And he's giving me that. Um, because what often happens is it just becomes instructional. Oh, um, Guys, just make the decision up in the game. Guys, just, it's on you. I always felt that was an instruction without an emotion. So it was like, I want to know that coach going to me, look, I can set all this nice, pretty stuff up, but come the game, it might not be playing out like this. And I've been there a million times as a player. I know. So you might have to ignore me. And so at the youth level then, at 16, 17, 18, should there be more push towards ego and arrogance in the game and almost moving away from the, everything's collective in the coaching education? Should we mm. be challenging a little bit more? Yeah. Or, or, or is that then inciting, you know, are you then putting more anxiety on the player? Are you then putting more fear in the player? You know, is it, is it counterintuitive? It, it's, it's really difficult, isn't it? Because if, and I, I, I've watched a bit of college stuff in America in various bits, but I don't really know. People say to me, guys who played out there, it is behind Drew in terms of tactical awareness and just all that stuff. So it's very difficult then, I guess, because you need then to coach that. And that's then set up, isn't it, in a, in a shape or a disciplined way of... I, I just think so many players... When I talk about fear... Every every player is is insecure by nature because it's an insecure industry. One injury, one tackle, one bad contract. Uh, manager gets sacked, doesn't like you. So so knowing that that is the default setting. Every player's got to play well. 
centre half's got to do his job. He's got, got to win the headers. Got to got to play out from the back. Got to, there's all that internal dialogue going on. I think for every position. Um, so I think understanding that first and foremost, that uh, you know, really truly understanding that. Um, when you when you look at the uh, Maria said that ownership and leadership are now being practiced in academies. So. I mean, you've been around these academies. You what? Is there mm-hmm. a situation? Is it again following a textbook? Is it because you you talk a lot about feeling the game in your work and about being mm. and how you've got to be? Do you think almost as coaches we we're we're waited too much on the tactical side? Um, and if so, potentially, Gary. Potentially, it's such a it, it this. It's really hard to communicate it effectively in this chat because every everything has its place. Everything. I just think it's like again a young player who was at a top four club. He 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 just hit a wall about nineteen twenty, and he wasn't working hard enough. But but then the same guy was had a watt bike in his bedroom at home that he bought, and if he hadn't hit his levels during the day, go and knock out fifteen k at nine o'clock at night. You know what? And then people were saying he was lazy. And I'm thinking, well, that's not lazy. And then he'd be doing abs and press-ups. And Mm. I I, I once said to him, I said, you you don't work hard enough, but you've got an incredible attitude and desire to win. So has anyone showed you what hard work is? When I was about 17, in the warm-up, we were doing like turns and then run to a cone and the coach pulled me and said, that's not hard work. Run off to that goalpost, touch it, run back in. And I said, okay, so you did that. And must be blowing quite hard. He said, yeah, yeah. He said, um, and what then? He said, well, I joined back in the session. I said, okay. Um, this is a top four club and a highly decorated coach who said that. And I'm not knocking him, but I, I'm, so in, I'm so sensitive and I always was sensitive. That I'd pick up on all these nuances when I was a player and I'd hear the players saying, I need this or I need that. I think, so I sat with him and said, look, we went through hard work, actually what hard work is, what it looks like, spending some time, make that run there. Really? That there? Or make 50 of those in the game. Really? Yeah. And then you can see him start to go, okay, I can, because it's really hard. He's hearing one message of hard work and then he's going on Instagram and seeing Messi just running stats are down here and he drops his shoulder and curls it and Mo Salah and doesn't, his running stats aren't crazy and for me. So, it's a really difficult one. I, I, I think. I think just, just the, the thing for me is is, and I've done a bit of coach education workshops, and it, it's getting in touch with your own feelings. Then you can relate to their feelings going into a into a game. Empathy, I guess it's called, isn't it? Well, you, but you practically or technically. Or, I mean, as much as much as fear is in the in the mind of the player today, like you, you put the Emery, the Unai Emery quote up or the the article the other day, which is, listen, I was under immense pressure. I didn't I was, and even Gary Neville talks about his Valencia experience. I talked to a coach the other day, and he was saying how much he enjoyed both of those experiences because everyone talks about the great stuff, and he and he said like, there's a lot of coaches out there that are drowning. In this world, there's a lot of coaches that are living in fear of their boss who doesn't understand the game, wants them to win, wants them to keep people happy, even over here. So as a coach, how do you then, I suppose, be true to yourself, but then also you've got mortgages to pay down as well? Great point. It's a brilliant point, Gary. Courage. Courage. You know, what have we got if we haven't got courage? You know... When Neymar picks the ball up, and forget now, but when he was doing it in 1918, when he didn't have a name, and he was going to flick it over someone's head, courage. Every other player just keeps the ball, and courage, courage to get laughed at, courage to get ridiculed, courage to get shouted at, judged. And I think from a managerial point of view, and I've seen it firsthand, I've sat with a manager, two managers, when the call from that owner's come in, and he's made it clear to them in a funny kind of way that he doesn't really rate a certain player mm-hmm. and he prefers a certain player in that position. He, my wife enjoys watching him and I enjoy the way he plays. Manager comes off the phone and says, I've got to play him, haven't I? I said, why? 
He said, well, if we lose, I said, if we win. I said, look, if you start, where was this, this owner? Where, where has he been in your life for 38 years? He's been in your life for seven months. So mm. whatever you were doing from 16 as a player to, to now as a coach, you've done off your own back. It's, na- it, it's just another opinion. But you'll mm. then take that opinion and go, yeah, but Drew, this guy's got the power to fire me. I said, yeah, but you've got to stare at that in the face and go, I trust the player I've got. And I trust my instinct on that player. And I'm going to go with that. And then I'll diplomatically. But I'll be honest with you, both of the guys I work with didn't. They, 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 they followed at some point the owner's pressures and, and, yeah. and they both lost their jobs. Just take a quick break here. Coaches, please join me for a free online coach education event. October 14th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, I will present a webinar on video analysis and player feedback. A look at a variety of ways coaches can improve tactical understanding using video, using animations, deliver individual feedback to players, and also ways to engage players in the process of development also do a Q&A and a discussion with coaches at the end of the presentations. Free for coaches, but limited spaces available. You can register now. Go to modernsoccercoach.com and go to latest. And there is a post there with the registration link. October 14th, Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 p.m. UK Time. Please join me. See you there. Let's go to, on, along these lines, let's talk about Jordan then because we're all witnessing a, a documentary mm-hmm. which last night was, um, it, it was about being, someone said his, his greatest strength was not his skill, his greatest strength was not the ability that he could jump, his greatest strength was that he was mentally present in everything he'd done. And what I'm going to ask you is that he basically ran out of juice twice like he ran out of juice to go to baseball and then he ran out. The man was at the peak in 98, 99 and he's knocked it on the head again. So mm-hmm. is there, you know, when we're trying to get our players to that maximum, does it potentially put them in a place where hey, you can't sustain this level or is there a way to do it that can, again, balance? Does balance exist in this world of, of elite competition? So first of all, I'm going to say, and, and, I, and I'm, very, I'm very comfortable to say it, and I know that any coach who ever worked with me and any teammate would validate this my desire levels were off the scale I, I i didn't meet too many people who had them even when i finished my career and for five years built a business conditioning premier league players getting them ready physically for injury from injuries so i was like michael jordan's guy in that show who's there his, his own trainer they were paying me to be i'll be honest with you i, I used to look at some of them in sessions and think I was another 30% of the way you just run to that line. I would have asked for four more sets, even though I had nothing left. I was born with that. This, it was, it's been torturous me watching because I watch it and think I didn't have anywhere near. I think what, what he had, again, like you say, it's like Craig Bellamy reminds me of the same, very same mindset, very similar. The reason we still are friends, I guess, and speak is because he he knows deep down that I have the same level of desire. I wasn't able to be an arsehole. I wasn't able to be an arsehole. A voice would whisper on a voice would whisper to me at 18, and there was many times I was. I broke cheekbones in training, I I did some despicable things, and I made amends for all of them. Um and I'll be honest with you, when I was that way, I played some great stuff. And from from Paul Ince to Jan Mulby to many players who, who were my coaches, they all looked at me at times and thought, Phew, some player, Martin O'Neill, all of them at some point. But it would last me a few weeks because sensitivity, moral compass. I don't think my journey was to be a player. It, it, it was to absorb everything. Um you you have to have a deadness in your soul to be that way. That's the truth. And the only way you can fill that is with, he's got a cigar on the whole time. I mean, that, 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 I, I smoke cigars. That is strong. You, you're sitting smoking that stuff. There's a high off that, a big high. Pure escapism. It's an hour to smoke a decent cigar. It's 45 minutes. 
That's 45 minutes of pure escapism. <laughs> and people would say, that's, there's got to be medical people. That's not great for your lungs. But, mm. you know, he, this guy, the, the, there wasn't a moment in the show in the locker room where he didn't have a cigar on the go. And mm. afterwards, the whole time there's a bottle of, there's, there's a glass of whiskey next to him. The gambling got delved into. I've got mates who are gambling addicts in recovery. Steve Corker wanted now, he's in Turkey. Corks has got an incredible mindset. Elite mindset, really interesting. When he broke into the Spurs first team at 17, 18, Berbatov was there. And he used to say to me, Colts, that Berbatov would bully young players. If, if a young goalkeeper would be sent over to be in his team, Berbatov would say to Harry Redknapp, no, I don't want him in my team. No, send him back to the 17-year-old. This kid would have to pick his gloves up and walk back. So Colts said, I was 17. And he, this, one of these guys was my teammate. So I waited for the first challenge and I absolutely emptied Berbatov. I said, you took out the main player in the whole club and you were 17. He said, I wiped him out. He said, I remember playing then at White Hart Lane. I scored a last minute equaliser against Everton. And I ran down the tunnel afterwards to try and fight one of their players. You were 17. He said, 17. He said, this American guy was in the tunnel. I want that guy. I want that guy. He was one of the directors at Spurs. Said, who was it? He goes, I think he was one of the founders of Under Armour. He'd seen me and got, I want it. Who is this guy? Then he plays for England and... Berbatov, um, Ibrahimovic after the game was like, who is this guy? Like, he bullies Ibrahimovic. Three years later, he spent nearly every penny he's got. He sat in rehab and he, he's struggling to, it, no, five years later, to be fair to him, from 17 to 23, 23, 24, he couldn't get a trial at a League Two club. And I never forget sitting with him he often reminds you of this now because he's really back in his mojo now. I think he's going to move to one of the big Turkish teams this summer. He's had a great year out there. He's sober. And, and he, said, he goes, I'll never forget, we sat there. I was at QPR. You and I were talking and I had a pre-season game the next night. And I hadn't started pre-season. Great. They paid £10 million for me. And the manager really wanted a high line, defensively a high line. And I'm holding this high line and we're shipping goals the last three games and there's inquests and there's meetings and we've got another game tomorrow night against a team who's not fit enough to lace our boots, but we'll probably ship another two goals. I said, what's all this body language? He said, I just don't, I just, I said, you, you, you know how to play centre-half, right? You know how to play centre-half. You've, you've, you've played for Southampton, Liverpool, Tottenham, England. I said, you, you know when to squeeze and when to drop, right? And you're a commanding figure, six foot five. You can organise the back line. I said, I'm going to come to the game tomorrow night. I said, look, you've got to buy yourself some self-respect back because you're drowning. You've got no self-respect. You're, you're a kitten. And you weren't a kitten five years ago. I said, if the manager's screaming on to hold the high line, point over him, tell him to sit down. And he looked at me, he goes, I would have done it when I was 17. I said, I know you didn't. How did that work out for you? He said, yeah, pretty well. I was on 400 quid a week and I was on 20 grand a week within a year. I said, yeah, pretty well, right? So he's like, yeah, I said, but it was let go because at that level, it's all about winning. And they just, just carry on. No one cared if you were burning your life down off the pitch to escape what it took to have that lion inside you. And... Uh, he did it that night. He did it. They were 1-0 down. They won 5-1 and there was a big inquest the next day. That's the level. That's the standard. We hit it tonight. I know you're capable of it. He was the only difference. His energy, his desire, his organisation, his refusal to go under. But that's a heavy price to, to, to carry because the loneliness that you carry with that is, is profound. I relate to it. And, and you need to escape that loneliness. It's tough. Um, because nothing's ever enough. I'm looking at Michael Jordan. He has every characteristic of every addict I've ever met. Everyone. Selfish, self-seeking, narcissistic, um, ruthless, absolute liar. Like there's, there's, there's moments he lied to, the, did he lie about, he lied about the guy's points or something. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. just, just yeah. I don't know. He, he would just go tick, tick, tick in AA, GA, NA. <laughs> I mean, just a raving addict. But people all say, yeah, but that's the price it takes. Price, yeah. I, 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 I'll be honest with you. I, I'm trying now to work with guys with a similar mentality 
and make them not turn to drink, booze, uh, alcohol, uh, womanizing behind their wives' back, destroying people's confidence with belittling people. Because all of them have done it, and, and I did it. I could belittle, but I had a horrible tongue on me, and I could belittle people, um, belittle people. And it wasn't right, but, but this moral compass would always drag me back to this bloody line, and then I'd be all nice, and I'd lose the edge again. I didn't understand it, and I confused, you know. So, so how do you, this is fascinating, how do you do that? How do you take someone who has it in their DNA somewhere? Like, you've said to Stephen Cocker that you've called him a, you know, a kitten. So you've challenged them to challenge the coach. You've brought it out of them. But then how do you then bring it back when it's off the pitch to get like, all right, then, I mean, is it, is it something that you have to be, it's a player for player? Can a head coach do this? You know, I, I, I'll, I, I'll be honest with you, no, I, I don't think anybody can. You know, again, I'm working with another young one and he, he's got it in him. But it's really hard because his dad rings me up. He's like, okay, what, what, fill me in. What's the progress? And he's, but he's not there. And he, he's not, he's like, so-and-so's playing far better than him. You know, how do we get so-and-so's mentality? I said, you, you know about so-and-so? So I said, well, he's paid about £40,000 of the fines this year to the club. He um, he's regularly out in nightclubs. He regularly cheats on his girlfriend. He's got a young child with, so he's already already destroying that poor girl's life. I said, if you want your son to be that guy, you go ahead. I said, I'm a father. It's not what I want for my kids. I'm going to be honest with you. I want them to be stand up human beings, good guys. I want them to be. I want my. I want them to be morally morally centered human beings. So you're trying to get someone with that edge, which is in him to not go and be that reprobate because that's that's got a shelf life mm. that's got a shelf life and what's success you know what what's your family life like what what do you what's your financial life like are you gambling are you but it's funny because that you, i so i would do it with that player with just pressing his pain points but he has to have a depth to him the only guys that work with me aren't just guys who want a career um it's why I don't, I have eight clients. Uh, they've been the same eight for years. Um, I'll have them all till they retire, I think. I, I'm not one of those, the head guy who could just work with anyone. I'm a recovered addict who's got that personality, who understands that edge, who now knows how to manage that edge in my life. And I'm able to guide them on that. But I have to, they have to have that pressure point to press. So I know they want it so bad that... I hold them to that, drag them to that line every time. And I'm brutally honest. So you're not, you're never going to get there. It's never going to happen. You know, you, you get that ball. If you're a wide player, get that ball and drive at that fullback. I don't care if the manager's telling you to go inside. You go where you want to go and you grip that game and you dominate that game. And, and then they do it in training. They'd ignore all instruction. They'd be sitting there chewing gum in their mouth and like this and bang, making stuff happen everywhere. Managers, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And they're like, this is crazy making. And I'm like, welcome, welcome to the to the to the circus. Then you, you you're gonna have to manage yourself. And then they'd start going, I had a went to the casino last night. I just was at home and I just went and had a little I can really understand where you could you I could slip into I could just see how I could slip into gambling. I didn't do too much, but I'm just thinking this this buzz, this I thought of nothing for two hours in the dark. There was no thought of football pressure, what I have to achieve, the expectation on my shoulders, the the brothers and sisters who I'm paying their mortgages for. I don't I don't have any of that. I can just lose myself. And it was the clip in the last dance when he goes to casino till two a.m. the night before the playoffs, and I smiled and go, brilliant, let him go, right? Mm. If that if that enables him to perform the next night, because he doesn't want to be stuck in that bedroom with his demons. Um, so yeah, I, I that's the thing then. So, as a, as a head coach, you know, and you've got a you've got a Ferguson had a disciplined culture. Um, these do we overvalue discipline? Call Phil Jackson's leadership was, and there's another one in last night's where Rodman goes to the WWF the night in a playoff, but like, and everyone's saying that, of course, they're all tweeting great management, but if they get beat in that match, it wasn't great management, you know, like. 
again, it comes down to courage, doesn't it? And knowing your players, yeah. knowing, your, knowing yourself, because you have to know yourself to know your instinct. Is that instinct right on that person? Again, had it with the manager, Drew, is he a winner or is he a dickhead? One of his players, what do you, what do you mean? Well, his behaviour, he ignored Mike. One of the coaches was filling up his car at the petrol station. He walked straight past him. Yes, that's all right. He said, and today in training, when, they were, when we split into three groups, he deliberately walked away from that coach and said, I don't want to be in your group. I said, that's all right. He said, how is it all right? I said, look, he doesn't respect the coach. He doesn't respect him. And I know why, because I've had the chat with him. He said, well, why doesn't he respect him? I said, a couple simple things. The way he speaks to people, the fact that he's dishonest, and he people pleases a lot. I said, this guy's 34 years of age. He's seen straight through him, and that's him done. I said, but let me ask you a question. Come Saturday afternoon at three o'clock every week, he's played nearly 600 professional games. Is he there for you? He said, every week. There's no problem. Let him crack on. The problem lies with your coach. So you've got to call him in. And, and has he got an ego which is going to fight, or can he be humble enough to hear the truth? Mm. Um, my wife calls me selfish all the time. Of course, she's right. Uh, it's my second marriage. I am extremely selfish. Um, I can either say to her, oh, what do you know? That's part of what it takes to, to grow a business. And, or I can go, yes, you're right, I am. And then I say to her, you're right, I'm really sorry. How has is, how is it shown up this week? Or like, did you need to go in your office at, 10, at 9 a.m.? Could I have just gone for a run before I look after the kids? Because I just need that time. And, and I've actually lied to her about having to do work in here because I'm like, no, no, it's all about me, 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 me. Now, I'm super aware of that behavior. So you, <laughs> so you, but I'm prepared to hear whatever I need to hear about myself to keep me on that path. But it's just not the case with people. And, and, I am blown away sometimes by some of these guys I work with. There is no limit to where they can go. Mm. No limit because you just keep digging inside them and holding them accountable and they just don't run away. They don't put down the phone. They don't, they come back to the line and go, let's go again. What do I need to do? Like, <laughs> It's incredible stuff. Um, Does the, you mentioned there about you being selective with the people that you work with. If there's a player who, and we all know them, the talented player who doesn't have the drive at 15, 16, 17, starts to be coming left behind. You know, is, is that a player that you can still get something from or is that someone that doesn't have that inside them? Yeah, I, I, I say selective. It's not that I've been particularly selective. It's that the guys I've ended up working with who come to me, have, you all start to see they've got exactly the same thing about them. And the three business owners that I, you know, guide and, and coach in their businesses, they're exactly the same. <laughs> and, and, and it's difficult if that player is super talented. Like when I was coaching in an academy, when I first finished playing nine years ago, and I thought, okay, I did my A license. Is this the route I'm going to go? My brother was director of an academy. So look, take the under 14s for the year. Um, one of those players is now at college in Texas and he actually, we did an interview, he's doing a journalism thing. We did an interview last week and that was six years ago, seven years ago. And it was lovely. He said, I said, I, I say this from a place, not from an ego, but that year I had with you, I said, what was it like? Cause obviously I've been stuck in the shadows with individuals, but I'm fascinated. Please just deliver it. It was just so different. Everything we've been taught, I was 14, but obviously I've been in the academy since eight and I came with you. And it was just a completely different year. He said, but then we won every game. We beat Liverpool 4-0, Tottenham 2-0. He said, it was about brutal hard work and you'd regularly give demonstrations. And he said, I remember the boys going, have you seen the way he still runs and gets to that cone? And I'm like, of course, because you, you're in the most competitive industry in the world. You've got to get to the point where your lungs are burning. And I'd regularly be talking about that. Are your lungs burning yet? Because you get to a point where you push yourself and you can taste blood on your lungs. Scientists will say it's a, you can't get oxygen in quick enough. All players know it. I want that feeling. Get to that place. Get to that place. And so you, and then it was just go and play. And so there was one player who my brother had said, look, there's one player on your squad. We're, we're earmarking for something. He's, he's, he's lean. He's graceful. He can dribble and move. Awesome. Great. But he was a bit of a spoiled kid. So I, I just sat down with him and said, look, 
do you want to do you want to be a footballer or are you just do you want to be he said, no i really want to be a footballer i said of course because at the moment you you have no chance um and, and you're nowhere near the level i don't know what they told you last year of physical output i said but if you if you get that and i'm going to help you get i'm going to give you all i've got to get that and if you get that you you can be what you want to be and you know he got it he got it for about two months and i was just working with him some fantastic brilliant stuff and you know and I'd, I'd show him and show him what hard work was and 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 we do it and but then the traits would come out then he started doing really well and he got substituted off in a game and the young trial is desperate to get on and he ran on and he put his hand out and he slapped his hand away and i smiled because i've done it myself so i didn't judge him and i just but i waited for him and we had the appraisal evening with the parents and I said to my brother, who's head of the academy, I said, we're going to, he said, what's your thing on all the players? Have you done the reports? Yeah, we're going to get rid of Stuart and knock him down an age group, but he won't make it, get rid of him at the end of the year. And my brother said, we're, we're earmarking him for us. No chance. No chance. Because I'd given him six months of all this emotional stuff and I'd not just given, a, given him a week. Mm. It, it, the old traits were still coming out and that's when you realise, unfortunately, He's going home into a belief system and into a into a into viewing a, a model of leadership which is just terrible. So it's not it's not boding well for him. There's only so much I can do. They knocked him. Apparently, you can't just release somebody. You put him down an age group till the end of the season. So he dropped down an age group, and the reports were he was brilliant till the end of the season. The next year he was quite good, and then just slowly petered out. Um, the family structure is obviously a big one then so everything mention i believe that the wrong leadership system putting mm. stuff in their heads mm. i mean that, that's got to be well that's the majority today isn't it that's u.s culture british culture is that parents are maybe not as i suppose tough as what they were when we were growing up I think it's two ways. I was on a thing on Talk Sport yesterday, and Danny Mills, the England international, was on there. Danny was saying that his his son is now seventeen. He goes into the he's a first year scholar when they start again. So obviously Danny's had an incredible career, and I he was two years above me at Norwich. So I remember Millsy, not the best, but got every grain out of himself. He really did, an incredible professional. And um, he was talking about. Uh, with his son and he said you just he said i've been around the academy system watching my son now for eight years or so he said it's just you go and win a game and all the parents are i oh, know it's amazing they're doing so well they're going to make it do you not think how many do you think will make it and daddy was just none of them <laughs> and you see the parents go well what do you mean none of them because he knows and he knows when his son leaves there he's got him in the car he's got him all week and he just keeps saying to his son, hard work's not enough. You've got to go again and again and again and again and fail and give the ball away. And it's not going to be glamorous. There's many times you'll be 20 minutes into a game and your head's going to go, you're not playing well today. And you've got to beat that voice and get through it. And that's what will make you a player. And, and Dan, goes, I'm, Dan said, I'm probably too honest. Or in the modern world, I'd be deemed as too honest. I'd probably be the same with my kids. You know, I let my daughter when she was two fall off the monkey bars about three foot into wood chips and she got winded and she was crying I picked her up put her back on there again cuddled her I love watching you fail and practice again okay daddy and in the end this mother came across with a push chair and pushed me so this is disgusting I can't watch this anymore I said okay what's going on well you're just it's just wrong you're letting her I said look she might get cancer next year by the grace of God she won't I said but she might and when she's stuck to that IV drip in hospital, she's going to have to dig into a place that I'm going to have to try and create for her now. She, I might die. She might have to deal with the grief of that. Her first boyfriend might break her heart when she's 15. So I've got to try and prepare her for pain because life is suffering. I said, the Buddha said that. Anyway, at that point, she just walked off. And my wife said, do you have to? I said, look. We are in a society that is killing these kids. Addiction, mm. depression, mental health. So much of it is linked to just not being prepared for, for... Michael Jordan talks now about the battle, doesn't he? Going to war, going to war. And you can see, even at that elite level, multi-million pound players around him, they, they, they haven't got that mindset. 
Yeah. They're ready well, just to just to just to play. Yeah, well, again, like it's sport was traditionally the where you would learn these behaviors, but now it's sport where you're getting uh, artificial learning experiences and mm. stuff like a sport now becoming more harmful uh, mm. to this generation. Um mm. I would I would say in, in our experiences over here, it's, it seems to be that way. Like it's very output driven. The parents very transactional now that we've probably sold our soul from a financial standpoint. Um, if you don't have, you know, how do you, as a coach then, and there's coaches listening who have a range of family backgrounds, and I suppose how do you, as we've, uh, as we look to kind of wrap this up, how do, you, how do you as a coach take so many different people and nail the one or two or three or four that need you most? How do you find them? I just, and- I just think it's sim- it, it, not simple. It's hard, but it's simple. The, the solution is to know yourself. And all throughout this, we had the chat about the, the manager who might be under pressure from the board. Mm. We've had a chat about the player who has to, the 28-year-old who has to, courage, 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 cur- everything is courage. So it's knowing yourself and backing yourself to the hilt, backing your way. And, and I've worked with two people who fell out the college system in America. One was a tennis player, one was a golfer. The golfer got expelled off the campus. Um, I'm glad he did. Um, but it led to five years of being in the wilderness in the UK, full of shame, full of doubt. The parents he rejected back to England. But actually, the reason he got kicked off was just wonderful. It, the golf coach had been trying to change the way he, he swung the club. Mm. And this guy was so bullish in his belief, believing the way he hit a golf ball. He'd got a scholarship out there. Halfway through the season, he was right up there in the rankings against guys now who are tour, top tour players. He said, I just used to swing how I swung. Like, you're not going to change me. I don't want to go in the weights room for two hours. No interest. I'll do a little bit. But I don't doubt myself over that ball on the first tee. <laughs> Amazing stuff. Mm. But he fought against that. And then, of course... He's having that battle. He's a 19-year-old guy away from home, different country, still standing up for himself. Well, he needs to escape that. So then he goes out drinking. There's a bit of a fight. There's a scuffle. Sent home. Done. Then he goes into shame for five years. I start working and picking. And one of the first things I've said is, we need to get that looseness back out of you, that craziness. I need the fighter. I need the drinker. I need the loose guy out. Then we're going to refine it. But... You're not going to get to the level you know you can get without that. No chance. So that, that was one guy over too much, too much. He's scientists and weights rooms and, and the tennis player was the same, too much. And I'm happy to talk about this because I, there is not a professional. I, I would put myself nowhere near ability-wise, nowhere near. Attitude, easily alongside Ronaldo, easily. For five years, I went to Switzerland off-season when everyone else was out on the beach in a cabin for three and a half weeks by myself, training three times a day at altitude. What the hell was I doing? You know, I remember being up there on a hike who was walking around. Oh, you are amazing stuff, man. You must be, you play for Liverpool or Milan. No, I'm, I'm in League One in England. I'm nowhere. But, and, but, and I honestly thought if I outwork every single person I know, and I, my best mate was at Arsenal at the time, so I knew what the top players were doing. Give me a training plan. He'd given me it. And I'd think, well, I'm going to do 50% more than that. So if I do 50% more than that, you can't touch me. I'd come back from Switzerland. My resting heart rate would be about 35 beats a minute. I could knock out 200 meters with zero recovery. Easy. Come back to pre-season, obliterate everybody in the running. Six foot three, 160, 170 pack, had everything. Score goals, of course. Come the season, gone. <laughs> and it was one of your countrymen, Barry Hunter, who's now chief scout at Liverpool. Liverpool, yeah, yeah. Barry. So Baz, Baz signed me in, in his first managerial job. And he used to look at me puzzled because I played against Barry. And, and even my big man, you, you, why are you at this level? Like, What, what are you doing here? Oh, well, you know, I'm going to get back. I was 24 and still, still that age. And he'd be confused. You know, and... and the minute anybody 
cut a corner in training and I'd call them out on it. Regularly have fights on the training ground for, for people cutting standards and not having the same standard. But I wasn't able to continue that. Michael Jordan just went, I'm going to run with that for 17 years. I don't give a shit. I, I, I did. I, I had this, I would allow people to infiltrate me and make me feel like I'm a bad person, like I'm a terrible human being, like I've got serious issues. And I didn't. I was just a winner um, who didn't know how to manage it. So I think, I know you asked that question. I want to summarise on it. What I've seen, what I hear about the college system is no different to the academy system. It's no different to the to what's happening now in the UK football-wise. It's just overloaded. Too much stuff. And people might see Ronaldo's training. They don't see, they don't see him drinking his wine and and all the stuff, the other stuff that he does, because it's no good for his Nike brand or any of that. They're not going to publicise any of that stuff. So uh, I, I just think less is more. Less is more. Because ultimately, you can have all, you can have, I had 5% body fat, resting heart rate, 35, was 170 pounds. <laughs> right foot, left foot. Didn't lose a header. Great. What's the point? Because yeah. come when I crossed the white line, I couldn't be relaxed and go, Let's play. I'm scared. I want to do well. I don't know if I'm good enough, but I'm going to run my heart out. I'm going to fail. I'm going to try. Rather, I'm going out all pumped and tense and overthinking and everything I've eaten and slept and training regimes. I'm ready to play. I just can't play with that. Yeah. Well, last one for you, and then we'll, we'll, we'll let you go. <laughs> with this here, uh, obviously, like the wildness you, you mentioned there about getting, you got to get that wild side back. And it's a nice way to put it because we'll laugh here. You're going to get every psychologist and sports science going to say, all right, well, show me the empirical evidence. And that's something that Steve from a rugby background has come in. I mean, how do you deal with those arguments? I, 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 all I can say, I, I've, got, I've got Winston Churchill on my wall here. I've got, I, I'm a massive fan of Winston Churchill. I've read everything, watched everything. Here was a guy who had to make decisions the likes of you, me, and the rest of the world cannot fathom. He had to bomb the Allied French fleet in the ocean and kill 30,000 Allied Frenchmen on, a, on an instinct. That if Hitler took those ships, he would have a fleet that would win the war. We couldn't compete. And everyone was, you know, what's the evidence? Why would it be? Five in the morning, he makes the call. I, all I know, and I'm not saying I'm right. No one's right or wrong. There's no judge and jury. All I know is that I live in the trenches day in, day out. 17 years as a player, 10 years as a coach. It's a lot of time around top, top players. And I, I just... You, <laughs> I could go on story. I know so many stories about top players. You just wouldn't fathom it. You know... You wouldn't fathom it. What, I've, I've lost a tangent, but what, what, was the, what was the question again? The empirical evidence? Of... The question was kind of, well, how do, you, how do you deal with that? I mean, how do you, does that, does that uh, say results? Track? I think results, Gary, that's, it just came to me, results. Look, I'm a coach who lives and dies by his results. I get paid privately by clients. Mm. I've got no contracts with any of them. Um. They pay me a season rate, some pay me monthly, some pay me a season up front. If I wasn't, if they didn't feel, feel, no one telling them, feel on a gut level. Yeah, I'm, 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 this is it. I'm getting there. I'm, I'm more expressive. I've got more courage. I'm, this is the player that I know I am. They're leaving training. The demons are quiet. They're leaving the stadium. The demons are quiet. That's, that's good enough for me. And, and any of them at any point, could say, I don't want to work with you anymore, Drew. Now, if all eight of them did that at the same time, and then all four businesses, business owners, I'll go inside to my wife and said, we're done. Yeah. I, I, I've got to go to the job centre, get back on the streets, do whatever it takes, hustle, because I don't have a job. So I have no job security right now in this world. Well, no, obviously, football is not playing. I'm very blessed. The lads have all been wonderfully gracious, gracious and said, look, Drew, we're not going to cut your money. It's... Um, if we get cut, I said, no, mate, if you get cut, just cut me. But it's, um, yeah, I have no job security at all. Um, uh, so the only evidence I have is 
come the first of the month when these guys keep putting their money in. Um, there must be something in that. Fantastic, fantastic. It's a completely, like it's the, everyone's stuck with us for the whole thing here. I think you've had us all just because it's a, it's a message that you don't really hear, and it's mm. conversations that that um, you don't really hear a lot of. So mm. I can't thank you enough, Drew, for coming on. Um, coaches that want, you've got your podcast and your book. Do you want to tell them where you can where they can find you? Yeah, I'm, I'm on all the platforms. Um, books on Amazon and then what? Um, and uh, podcast is on apple and everything else um it's it's gone a bit dormant for the last year because i was doing them all live turning up with camera crews and i, I like yeah yeah, like, yeah yeah i gave it a little go gary i liked it but um realistically i'm gonna have to get on the zoom thing so i've got a couple booked in for the next few weeks got some interesting ones that, um i'm working on getting in and i've actually got a i'm just he's a league one manager in england highly highly he's an incredible young manager and he's doing incredible things and i think he'll go a long way and I think he's very, very emotionally intelligent, and I want to. Yeah, so there's some interesting stuff coming up hopefully in the next few weeks. If you get Craig Bellamy on, that would be a fascinating chat. Mm. I'm trying to persuade Bellas to come on. He, 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 yeah, he'll probably ridicule me for about ten minutes before he says, "What the hell am I doing that for you?" And what do I owe you, mate? And you've done nothing for me, and all that. And then hopefully, I can press record at some point. Then <laughs> top class, yeah. Drew. You're, you're top class. Thank you so much. Really appreciate Thanks, it. Gary. Touch you too. Thank you for listening to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. For more coaching topics, sessions, and resources, head on over to Coach Kernine on Facebook or visit the website at www.modernsoccercoach.com.